Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Communication Mixed Down. The show that takes a critical look at contemporary media. And explores the way we use communication to make sense of the world around us. From social media to citizen journalism. To the logo on the front of your favourite T-shirt. It's all part of the Communication Mixdown. Each week, Thursday, 6 to 6.30. Communication Mixdown. Cranking up. Right here on 3CR. That's us, Communication Mixdown. I'm John Langer. Welcome to another edition. You hear the voices, like mine, for example, on 3CR, and you hear, listen to the voices that debate and dispute. You can even catch some music. You can find out about the schedule of programs. And if you think 3CR is doing a good job as a community station, you can even donate some money to keep us on air. But ever wonder who actually puts it all together? Or to use a pretty clunky metaphor, steers the ship or who keeps it pumping? Now, for most of the community radio stations in Australia, there's a station manager. And that job requires them to be part CEO, part psychologist, and part orchestra conductor to keep all the instruments playing in tune. And I'd hazard a guess that Deb Welch has filled all these roles and probably a lot more. She was the station manager at Radio Adelaide from 1999 to the middle of last year. And she's here with Communication Mixdown to talk about her time as station manager, actually she's been she was called general manager, not station manager, and she's going to discuss some of the changes that she's seen in the community radio sector over those years. Thanks for being on Communication Mixdown, Deb. Thank you, John. Actually I was station manager first of all, but I always felt like I should be standing on the platform with a, you know, very fancy hat on and ordering people around. So Right. <laughs> Right, <laughs> But their role got a bit more diverse over time, so the general manager came in because there was a few oh. things going on. So okay. I might get to that. Well, look, just before we start, I want to say that I, we should mention Deb actually started her career in radio right here at 3CR. Most in the, importantly. In the middle yes. of the 1980s. Yes. So let's move forward a little bit, Deb, to 1999 when you started at Radio Adelaide. And I want just to get us sort of started, give us a verbal kind of a portrait of Radio Adelaide back then. Where was it located, for example, its physical layout, how many programs were running, if you can remember back then, how many volunteers, just to give us a kind of picture Mm. of of the way it was working. Well, Radio Adelaide's always a confusing station to Melbourne people, Adelaide being a much smaller city, uh, much less um, fragmented, I suppose, in terms of how, what people, which people get together with which people, um, not as subcultural as Melbourne. And um, Radio Adelaide at that time was called 5UV and it had, it was and had always been part of the University of Adelaide um, the, it, and it was the first community radio station in Australia. 
So um, mm. just, you know, if we could track back to how community radio came about, there were all sorts of groups all working within an activist framework of some kind, um, even the classical music people, um, who were agitating for communities to have access to the airwaves based on the principle that the airwaves, or what we tend to call it now a spectrum, Mm -hmm. um, was a public asset, a community asset Mm. owned by the people. And uh, there wasn't any reason for it to be locked up only available to commercial interests or the government-funded public broadcasters, ABC, etc. Or it was only ABC Mm. at that point. And uh, among the agitators for that were educational institutions who in that late 60s, early 70s period were uh, very keen to expand who had access to education. I mean, we had fully fee-paying universities until 1972 in Australia. And uh, in the spirit of the times, Mm -hmm. a lot of people were thinking about who was who, who was left out by that and uh, how they could be involved. And of all the different groups that were agitating for community, some kind of community access to the airwaves, uh, the one that kind of broke through first were the educational people. Yep, yep. Possibly the government thought, you know, University of Adelaide's a steed and conservative mm, old mm. Um, sandstone university That'll be safe hands. We'll give it to them rather than those radical rat bags with the draft resistors radio here mm. in Melbourne. Mm. Mm. You know, possibly that happened. But in fact, the, the, the people who agitated for that within the University of Adelaide were the progressive people of that yep. organisation. So anyway, that's not when I'm there. That's back in 1972 mm. that it started. Mm. So when I came into the manager's role in 1999, it had been going for a good what are we talking about there, 17 years? Yeah. Um, Very firmly established station, uh, strong volunteer body, great uh, presence and identity within the Adelaide community. But also I would say uh, two things had happened over the preceding 10 years. One is that the first phase of the change in university funding had kicked in. And uh, the Dawkins, if anybody can remember this, the Dawkins Mm -hmm. era and um, the station's funding had gone through death of a thousand cuts from Mm -hmm. the early 1990s through to the late 1990s. Right. And that's when you took up basically. Yeah. I think the worst year was the year before I took up. Oh, okay. I got I, you know I got a tiny improvement, maybe just as a sort of sympathy vote or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the manager before me, who'd been there for ten years, had lived through a decreasing budget Mm-mm-mm. every year, and um, you know, so that that and the other thing I would say is because it had been reasonably well funded in mm. comparison to other community radio stations. It had a sort of staidness about it as well, um, a yeah. comfort factor. Yeah. That I was, that's, was going to ask that, – that's actually my next – really my next question was when you started the first few years, what did you experience as the station manager as the biggest challenges? And you're obviously talking about a little bit about it that, that you had to face in, in that position. Yeah, I think it was um, – uh, I, I mean, you know, put in context to I came from 3CR. 
So yeah. I had a whole concept of what community broadcasting was. Mm. I had experienced it in real terms in the station that I think has been the most consistent, um, focused, its identity is the clearest of any station in the sector, which is this station here, 3CR, mm. um, unswervingly, really, over all these years, which is a, one of the great joys of my life <laughs> to see that. But uh, um, so, but it, it, the 5UV as it was had a great range of people from a whole swag of classical music broadcasters to jazz people. It had a lot of ethnic communities. It had Aboriginal broadcasters. It had lots of young um, students who were at university. Mm-hmm. It didn't have qu- quite the working class content or base of people that was at this station. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't it was still very re- it was still reasonably diverse and it had a very strong progressive streak mm-hmm. um, within it. Just a bit wrapped up in Adelaide's has sort of got a polite style about it yeah, in yeah, comparison yeah. to Melbourne. And um, um, I've noticed that since I've moved back here again, how openly people talk about their sort of political leanings yeah, yeah, yeah. here. <laughs> Whereas, as is always mm, the case in a smaller place, you rein it in a little bit. Interesting, Because you're not always in a group of like-minded people. And you would have had, presumably had to have adapted that that way of thinking, that me- let's call it the Melbourne um, kind of outlook when you yeah. went there. And, yeah, and there you was had a bit to, of adaptation. Had to, had to transfer that into your managerial role as well, Yeah, presumably. but, you know, fortunately, uh, the uh, I suppose the approach and the principles that I got from being involved here uh, are so genuine and solid that they were of benefit, I think, to mm. 5UV. Mm-hmm. And um, among those... Uh, uh, you know, the station didn't – for example, you know, we were – just before we came on air, we were looking at the Radiothon yeah. target and total yeah. here. Yeah. You could not run a Radiothon. I never ran a Radiothon at Radio – 5UV became Radio Adelaide, which is the story. But I never ran a Radiothon. Oh, we had a, a, no, I never did it there because no tradition had been established among its listeners of giving. Well, where did your funding come from? Well, because there was university funding. Oh, so other mm. money was generated, but Adelaide people had gained a community radio station without having to put their hand in their pocket. Yeah. You know, and okay. to generate that relationship with your listeners that this station is here because you have supported it. 3CR we've done. Yeah, about, yes. it was so critical to 3CR, so fundamental to yes. the relationship between those of you listening now and yeah, 3CR. Sure. That wasn't the relationship with there, that station. Oh. Uh, the listeners loved it and appreciated it and were so glad it was there, but it had never been presented to them clearly as something that mm. was only there by virtue of their contribution. Yeah, yeah. And also it's sitting there in a university, so it's pretty hard to so I, the, the, Yeah, it's the, pretty the, hard to pull that that concept the off. The actual you know? structure itself was on the university yeah. in the university. It's yeah, in, at, on the campus. Uh, by the time I was there it had been moved across the road, but sitting right across but from the basically, university. Basically part of the university. And part of the university and always always part of the university inside yeah. it. Yep. Um, had just been able and allowed to run pretty independently um, for most of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Something else, and again, you were there 17 years. Is there anything you could point to, and this is this is a bit of a broad question, but you could say Radio Adelaide or 5UV 
really nailed it, really made a difference, was very successful in what it was doing, made a big impact as a community broadcaster. And you as a station manager yeah. Yeah. had, you know, you were the facilitator or you kind of generated the energy to put it into place. Is there any sort of specific well, thing? Well, you know, that- rather than saying me, because I'll get yeah. all shy, oh. <laughs> uh, the station itself. The station, yeah, okay. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, many, many things. Um, I think... Uh, achieving that um, that oh, you know if you if you use the words inclusion and diversity now you feel like you're in a government advertising campaign but um, genuinely having a place where a really really wide range of people work together as equals uh, in a way where they were doing the same work doing the same things at the same level did not meet in normal life outside of that environment, the power of that always was the thing that struck me about what Mm. community broadcasting does. You know, it's a place you come and work. It's not a place you just come and hang out. You know, it's a place you come and work. You use skills. You um, learn. You communicate. You you do all sorts of skillful things there and you have to work with other people all Mm. the time Mm -hmm. when you're you're in there. So that that was... um, Pretty stunning and diverse compared to any other community radio station. Again, partly because of that smaller city thing, you was, know. Yeah, I was going to say that yeah. probably those those occasions may not have been available for people. Yeah, uh, that's th- very that's a very yeah. interesting point that you're making in in the sense that community radio is as a kind of societal institution obviously offers – I mean, it does offer that. I, I've experienced that yeah. here as well. Oh, look, I, I, I can't think of many things that match it really. I don't think the broader community or um, – I, I don't think enough people appreciate or realise how powerful a thing it was. And it, it's been sort of sucked up now into a generic definition of a not-for-profit organisation or volunteer involvement. But it didn't start with those sort of concepts. It started with a sense that um, people got together to um, utilise a really powerful form of media, uh, communications mm, mm-hmm. and, and, and anyone could do it and um, ha- have access to that. And so when people came into it, they weren't coming in as volunteers helping something else that belonged to somebody else. They were coming mm, in mm. to do their thing that, was, that they had ownership of mm. and, and they were part of that and they were proud of it. Uh, I mean... I'm sort of saying this, but I was just musing on this on the way through. Uh, you know, there were times when if you get into the volunteer industry now, there's a lot of discussion about how to reward your volunteers and acknowledge your volunteers and recognise your volunteers. And late in the piece in my time there, the university sort of got very excited about that and um, wanted to make sure we gave volunteers little pins and mm. sent them to a thank you event and gave them scones and things like that. But, you know, we get five people turning up to those events because that's not what, what they were yeah. there for. Yeah. They weren't there to be thanked by other people as if it wasn't their place. Yeah, interesting. It was their place. They mm, would thank mm. themselves, you know. Sure, sure. And, and again, in terms of motivation about working, doing the work there or being involved there, that motivation came from within those people. It wasn't, um, you know, if people stayed back and did things, it was because they mm. wanted to because mm. they were part of that. And that that's a sort of very fundamental 
thing that community radio really created within Australia that mm-hmm. I don't think many organisations have matched and um, it was probably why I attached so strongly to it mm-hmm. from those early days mm-hmm. here. I'm just jumping ahead to 2016. Now, you're you know, really all over the place in terms of time, but you finished up with it was called Radio Adelaide, not 5UV. You'd seen a lot of changes over that time, technical things to do with people as well. Now, if you were taking up uh, the management role again and you were looking ahead, what would you say would be the biggest challenges at this point? Oh, that's a hard question, John. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought maybe you might... (laughs) (laughs) We maybe reflect... Like, yeah. I mean, pe- people are saying, I'll just to give you, just throw, throw out something from, from me, you know, that this is the era, the digital era, the era of the internet. And people are actually saying things like, well, radio, maybe it's not even that relevant anymore. Yeah. Community radio, you can get so much stuff online, digitally, and so on. And you're making the case that yeah. it, well, it, it, it has a, a place, but it also needs to kind of clearly has to Yeah, it change became itself. more challenging. It became more challenging particularly because when I started in community radio in the mid-80s, there weren't competing media apart from, um, I think it might have even been a Ronio machine or a photocopier to print pamphlets or whatever, yeah. <laughs> um, for the broader community to get involved in. So it was quite intensely glamorous in a way, radio at that point. You know, you could get in and do stuff mm. and be part of it. It was a buzzy medium. Um, what's interesting is that there has been no drop-off or there wasn't at Radio Adelaide in my time in people wanting to get involved. They may have had all of these other options available to them but they still wanted to get involved in radio and, in fact, radio sort of embraced those things within its broader... um, uh, I was always trying to think of a, a, a word to use to say when we say radio we mean a whole lot of things, including social media, including being online, including all of those digital technologies are inside the thing we now call radio. a radio station. Yes. Yes. They're not an alternative to no. it. And e- even fairly early in that change, um, in, in fairly early in the advent of the online world, all of the big... Uh, um, you know, highly visited websites 10 years ago were what the ones attached to radio stations. It was actually a real driver of people moving into the online mm-hmm. world as opposed to a loser, you know, a, a loser in the online world. It yeah. was it was a, a reason why people engaged with the online mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Um, 5UV, interestingly, before I was there in 1996, was the first radio station in Australia to stream its programming. Before anybody had thought of it, really, um, it, it was partly because a community radio station in those attracted interested and innovative young people who were fiddling around with different sorts of IT and said, how about we give this a bell? And it was, it was actually very early in the world for any streaming to happen. The streaming, the original stream was, you know, about three people could listen to it because nobody had the other end sure. of the yeah, piece yeah, to listen yeah, to it. Yeah. But a funny story around that is so they set up this stream and a couple of, you know, boffany-type young people who were around in Adelaide at that time um, put things together and put it on a server over here and then that server ended up being run by these people and sort of got lost somehow 
exactly where and how this stream was running, um, but it continued to stream. And when I um, took over in 1999, I said, so, you know, so who, where, where's our streaming coming from? And nobody knew where it was. It was still being fed from a server somewhere. It took me about six months to track it down. And in in that time... Uh, the little tiny Adelaide IT company that had formed out of these young guys had been bought and sold by this company and then this company and then this company. And uh, it was actually sitting in the back room of some sort of server ensemble of IINet, gigantic company mm-hmm. who barely even understood that they were providing the streaming for Radio Adelaide. So it took me another six months to sort of move, you know, move that, into our control, mm-hmm. um, we didn't, you know, we didn't pay anything. <laughs> Nothing happened for all those years, um, but often those innovative things would happen because there was a c- openness and a capacity for people mm-hmm. to get involved mm-hmm. and do things mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. within that mm-hmm. space. So that that's how that happened. So that distracted me off the question of no, what would yeah, I do now? Well, yeah, look, yeah. it's the, how would the, I go the, now? Yeah, I'm just sort of thinking of that. You know, there there are uh, clearly are challenges that. that well, I, I have a couple media. of things that I think are important to say. Um, one is that I would really attend closely to the structural governance ownership um, aspects of the station that that you're running all of those things to maximise community enga- uh, community participation and, and sense of um, belonging to it. I mean, in this station, for example, the really critical importance of people being subscribers and understanding mm, that's, mm. that's the compact here. Mm, um, mm, mm. I, you can kind of, you know, that, that, that's, that structure, structural things are set up and then you can kind of sort of lose focus on them over time because mm, you're busy just mm, running mm. the radio station. But what happened to Radio Adelaide in the last couple of years was that after 43 years of being uh, a benign supporter of the radio station, the university changed its view and um, ejected it with through a horrendous process really for everybody and it's a very crippled station now. It's- as a result, it's out of the university. Oh, I, yeah. Yes. So it's not. It's now no. not part of the university. No, no. And it, it, they decided know, to defund it. They decided to uh, transfer the license to an independent body. The whole story of how they did that was a sort of textbook in how to do it badly. We're, yes, we're going to. Which we won't the, have. The, it's the not text, something to yeah. go into tonight, but. Um, the fact that it wasn't an independent station for all those years seemed perfectly fine, but in the end it wasn't fine. In the end it um, meant the station community was disempowered entirely. I'm not just talking about the staff, I'm talking about mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. 500 mm-hmm. volunteers that we had were entirely disempowered in, in the process that happened and the fact that we didn't have that um, very clear, strong sense of community ownership was mm, really was, critical. Was really critical in the end, and and I came back and I looked at a station like Three CR, and I think you know, hold on to that, hold on to that. Right, that's, that's right. absolutely critical. And how you're managing that relationship with your listeners and your community, absolutely critical. Yes, uh, because you know, forty year old organisations 
have to keep reinventing themselves and remaking themselves and you have to keep that relationship really strong. Mm-mm. I mean, I think the, the other really big challenge is around all of the other competing media and how you engage with it. And I think the approach I took, I still think was, we took, I took, uh, is still pretty strong, which is there is something I believe quite special and unique about the medium of radio. Um, To some degree, uh, that's transferred into the podcast world now. So the, the delivery might be by broadcasting or it might be online, but the uh, the relationship you have when you listen to somebody on radio is um, a, a really nice way of getting information or thinking about something mm-hmm. or um, uh, engaging with something. The, the, the headspace that you can go into, I mean, people listening now might be driving home, they might be making dinner, Dinner. they might be doodling Mm, around mm, somewhere. mm, mm, mm. Um, We're not really demanding you stop doing that and listen to us (laughs) or watch what we're doing or whatever. Mm, mm. You can kind of tune in and out if you think Mm. it's interesting or not. You can kind of be thinking around in your head whether this woman's talking, you know, making sense or not making sense. You can be formulating some questions. The way in which you listen to radio is very – it's just the thing that people like. Mm, You know, they really mm. like it. And um, you can't really replace that with, you know, online videos or uh, um, people really like social media too, but it's not the same as sort of just um, drifting into a conversational space that you do with radio and – I think all of the online stuff will become the stock of, you know, sort of normal everydayness. And in fact, radio itself can be the bit that's special and different. Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of watched the avalanche of this new, you know, diverse online social technologies come through. And um, I still have that feeling that in the end, all of those people have got that, but they haven't got a radio station. Mm-hmm. And that's, that then becomes more special. And I don't see any sign. Television and newspapers absolutely suffering appallingly in this environment. Radio yes. not. Okay. Radio not. Radio continuing on. Radio stations in the commercial world generally still making money. And the um, community sector. Community sectors in a complex position, but. Um, Deb, we're going to have to. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it at that. Another time. A complex position. Yeah. <laughs> I like the complex position. It's a good way to leave it there. I'm really, I'm really glad you could come in. Well, and it's lovely yeah, to be back in this studio where absolutely. I spent so many hours in my youth. <laughs> oh, you're, uh, you're well-spent youth. Yes, my well-spent youth. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming into to the studio. And uh, as you've heard, this week we're unpacking the back end of community radio broadcasting, looking at it from the point of view of people that make it happen. And that was Deb Welch, and she was a former station manager from 1999 to 2016 at Radio Adelaide, which used to be called 5UV. And we are Communication Mixed Down. We've got to get out of here right now. I'm going to play a track about radio. Speak to you next week. I am leaving Mississippi in the evening rain. These delta towns wear satin gowns and I have the inflame. 
The Redillion guides my hands through the radio. Where would I be in times like these without the songs Loretta wrote? Cause when you can't find a friend, you still got the radio. When you can't find a friend, you still got the radio. The radio. 